0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Thanks for tuning in here today and uh, studying the Word of God with us. We just appreciate that so much because the Word of the Lord is the single most important thing that any of us could pursue. I mean, we ought to dedicate our lives to pursuing the Word of God. It's the only thing that will stand uh, after everything else is long since gone and forgotten. The word of the Lord stands forever, the Bible declares. Praise God. Now for those of you that uh, maybe haven't heard me talk about this, um, here of late I've been doing some Bible college classes online through Reformed Bible College. and I think the reason that I chose that primarily was because I've always had a passion to study the Reformation, the great Reformers. Uh, John Knox, Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, so many that we could name, those men who blazed a trail for product, the Protestant faith uh, to uh, expand throughout the world, uncorrupted by tradition and practice. Um, and of course there's problems in the Protestant realm, but uh, in its inception uh, it was a powerful, powerful reason. I've often said in teaching and preaching across this great nation that uh, we're Protestant for a reason. And uh, when we look at those reasons under the light of scripture, it becomes clear uh, as to the necessity of the Protestant movement. But today, uh, the the, the first and primary point that I want to make to you And I'm not going to speak very long, but I wanted to say that, uh, and and very early on in our uh, theology classes online, very early on it was pointed out and repeatedly, uh, both in church history class and in uh, theology classes, it's repeatedly pointed out the fact, and it is a fact. It's not an opinion. And it's not a uh, supposition. It's not uh, just simply postulated to you and I. But it is a truth that the church needs to constantly be undergoing reformations. You and I on an individual level, we need to constantly have the Holy Spirit involved in reforming our lives, the Scripture phrases it that we are conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. That's the, the posture, the position that you and I should be in. Also, corporately as a church, we should be in a constant process of reformation because, you see, as long as we are in the flesh, as long as we're on this planet, we're not going to attain that place of spiritual perfection that So many act like they've attained it, but we will not attain perfection. So the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing forth reformation. And uh, today I just want to say that society's uh, reformation has to begin with the church. In order to have reformation in society, it has to begin with the church uh, being reformed by the truth of Scripture. Throughout the prophetic books of the Bible, Israel's repentance is always the priority. You see, what does God want from you and I, even after we become a Christian, even after we are born again, God wants us to repent of those things and those ways that are not according to his word, not according to his character, not according to his nature, the world will rarely be transformed by Scripture unless the church is first reformed by Scripture. We have been given a prophetic voice for our culture, but it will not have its intended effect until our own houses are in order. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, the Bible says, If my people, now notice that phraseology, God begins by saying, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I'm here to tell you that we talk a lot about revival in these uh, in these days in which we're living. A lot about revival. A lot about our. The, you know, I've heard people say things like, "I'm just burning for revival to take place. I'm just longing. I'm just hungering." And and they're most of the time they are meaning in society, in the world. And I'm here to tell you that revival will never take place in the world until it first takes place in the individual believer and secondly takes place within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is clear from Scripture. It is only from the context of both heart and life, pure and holy before God, that we can influence our world for good. We first have to spend much time in His presence, And that requires a place of humility evidenced in true contrition for our own personal sins. And as we stand before a most holy God, and the more time that we spend, beloved, in the presence of God, the more we can see our own sins and our own shortcomings The Bible uses terminology like men don't want to come to the light because they love darkness and they know that if they come to the light their deeds will be exposed. That's a loose uh, remembering, a, a, a loose quoting of a very strong point made in Scripture. Individual reformation is a stepping stone to corporate reformation. The church is the body of Christ. It's a body that is to be a bride. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. So we move from individual reformation, individual repentance, into corporate reformation and corporate repentance. Over and over again in the Word of God, you will read of God's Prophets, God's leaders, praying, not only praying for their own sins, but also for the sins of God's people. You can look at Nehemiah, you can look at Daniel, you can look at Isaiah, and and all of them really. And they're not only concerned with their own individual repentance, but they, they intercede on behalf of the entire people of God. And that's a necessity that we have to get back to in the time that we're living to begin to take up that torch. And God will mantle you with the presence of His Holy Spirit when you begin to intercede like that. So we move from the individual to the corporate, turning first from our individual sins and then from corporate sins because the Bible says the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Much of the church's beauty can be seen in its purity, its function, and especially in its unity. I was listening to a message today by Pastor John Piper, and he asked this startling, indicting question. He said, you can tell, he actually made a statement, you can tell that you're taking a step towards being a Pharisee if when you see gross sin taking place are you disgusted or are you filled with compassion and while we hate sin and we are calling on believers to repent of their sins to be sure but we are filled with compassion for the sinner Jesus Christ Christ as our high priest, his prayer was that they may be one, even as we are one. This is why Jesus died. The church was his special love, and that is the place where these individuals and families can come together into one body, each contributing as the Spirit gifts each one to make one harmonious whole. So when we see these things going on, and the the very point is that we repent of individual sins and one such sin is the blockage of the unity of the brethren that comes about by a judgmental and a critical spirit. If you are involved in that judgmental spirit, that critical spirit, if you look at the grossest of sin and all you can think about is judgment, then you need to repent because you're blocking unity in the body And unity in the body is an area that we need reformation in. Not to condone sin, but to condone differences is not an ungodly thing. To allow people to walk in the grace of God that you claim for yourself is a good thing. And when we see that, we understand even more. Why, we need a Reformation in the Church in 2014, just like they needed it back in the time of the actual uh, Reformation where Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church. See, every one of these issues has a scriptural answer, whether it's sin, whether it's disunity, Out of the body of Christ should flow good works that will cause the world to praise our God. I want to say that again. Out of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2014 and beyond, in these last days, out of the church should flow good works. We don't want to be known as the group that hates anyone. We don't want to be known as the group that uh, uh, if you make a mistake, boy, you better watch out. Now again, let me be clear. Not to condone sin. God does not condone sin. But God loves the sinner. And we ought to do the same. And when it comes to unity in the church, We should not take an attitude with our brother or sister over what translation of the Bible they like, or or what type of Christian music that they like, or do they go to a a place of amusement? You know, we, we, we shouldn't take up arms over periphery issues. But we should rather trust the Holy Spirit to do His work in each of our lives. And in that work of conforming us to the image of Christ, the Holy Spirit will lay down some guidelines for each of it. But it's not necessarily my job to make His guidelines for me, His guidelines for you. There there are some things that are obvious that none of us should be involved in and that none of us should be doing. But on those things that are not so obvious from reading the Word of Almighty God, then it's not my job to hear the Holy Spirit's guidelines and to uh, to, uh, uh, make those guidelines effective in anybody's life but my own. You follow what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So then it says here, It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Hallelujah. So, out of the flow of good works that comes from a repentance over sin and a unity in the church, Reformation, That unity, true unity, let me me say it this way as we get ready to close this little message today. True unity can only come about when the Word of God is exposing us and sanctifying us. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. We must get before our great God, our holy God, and see our wretchedness. And we must pray as Daniel prayed, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, we have sinned and we have committed iniquity, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. Righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of face for thine own sake, O my God, do this thing. O my God, incline thine heart and hear the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications, and cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that is desolate. If you want to read that in its entirety, read Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 17. But here's the point that I want to say. As we get ready to close our little message today, I told you I wasn't going to preach very long. Here's here's what I want to say to you. We have to take a stand against sin in a righteous way, in a Christ-like way. And our vision should be focused upon our, our own walk with God in that when I pray, Holy Spirit, show me my wretchedness. I do not pray, Holy Spirit, show me everybody else's wretchedness. And there's been a lot of good movements in the church. There's been a lot of good groups. There's been a lot of good ministries that have a word for the body, that have a truth that we need as a church. But they have not presented it in a Christ-like way. They They haven't been godly in their presentation. And they have grown into bitterness and judgmentalism and holier-than-thou attitudes. Rather than taking care of their own selves, they try to police the body of Christ, and they do it in a mean-spirited way that is not of God. We want to avoid that at all costs. And we want to begin to, first of all, say, God, show me my wretchedness. And when we see somebody else who is living in wretchedness, Our first reaction should be to have compassion upon them and take Jesus into their situation so that, hey, and when we do that, you know, many people are afraid that, wow, we're saying that it's just okay to sin. No, no, no. When you get somebody to Jesus, when you show somebody the love, the mercy, the compassion of Christ, and you get them to Jesus, when Jesus gets a hold of them, don't you worry. He will clean them up. He will make them what He wants them to be. The Holy Spirit will conform them into the image of Christ just like He's doing with you and I. But in order for us to have the type of reformation in the church that we need, we are going to have to have the compassion and the unity of Christ. We are going to have to repent of our own sins first and then come together as God's people to repent of the sins of the corporate body and we're going to have to seek God. There's an old saying that goes like this, clean your tables, and I'll take care of mine. Now if we see some, there are situations where we need to go to a brother or a sister, whatever, I know that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a spirit, an inner compelling in so many today, to be hurtful towards others based upon what they think is righteousness. But true righteousness will come back to the church and can come back to the church. And a Christ-like attitude and heart and spirit will come back to the church when we first seek to be right in our lives and not worry about judging others, but make sure that we're right ourselves. And that's the point I want to leave you today, is that the message of Almighty God will go forward in this earth in a continual reformation of his body. And the key ingredients is prayer, it's repentance, it's love, it's compassion, and the mercy of Almighty God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much. Oh, Father, I thank you that you speak to your people today. I thank you that you enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to take the strong action that godly repentance demands. I thank you, Father, that you will give us all the faith and the strength to act against our own flesh and allow the Holy Spirit to conform us to the very image of Jesus. I thank you for it, God. I ask you today, Father, that you bless everyone under the sound of my voice, that you bless my neighbor, bless my friend, bless my partners today. And Father God, open up your word to us in ways that you've not done here to full. And I ask it, giving Jesus all the praise and glory, and everyone would say, Amen and Amen.